when Jenna's new boyfriend, Herm, announces that he is traveling to the north shore of Lake Superior to meet Commander Donner. She is skeptical. After all, Herm is convinced that he is an alien from the planet Xylon, who has been sent to Earth to search for rare minerals. As far as she is concerned, he is living in a dream world. However, Herm is also a nice guy, the best she's ever known, and she enjoys being with him. So does her eight-year-old daughter, Sylvie. If only it wasn't for that alien issue. This is a story of the horrors that some people can inflict upon the innocent. It is also a story of how incredibly strong the human spirit is. Ultimately, it is a story of how strong the bonds of love truly can be. Eye of the Beholder, a novella by Jim Bates, available at MythMart.com, www.MythMart.com, and all other online retailers. In the wake of the Me Too movement comes a collection of short stories that challenge the reader to consider how women have suffered through the ages and continue suffering now. The primary connection between the stories in the collection, Suffer Rage, is that they are stories of and about women. Each woman in the collection has suffered, whether at the hands of men, society, or other women. Those they love, those that should love them, even their own bodies and minds, have betrayed them at some point. Some of these women are nameless. Some only have their names to hold on to, and some are looking for new names to go with the possibility of new lives. Some stories tackle sexual assault, abortion, mental health issues, aging, and surviving against the odds. Regardless of the genre employed, there is a profoundly feminist and, at times, girl-esque tone to the stories. There are sharp and smart gestures toward body, femininity, and patriarchy, and you get a sense of simmering rage throughout. As one of the story's protagonists says, all you have to do is listen in the bright dawn, and you will hear tender violence, the noise of women. When you have finished reading Suffer Rage, you will hear the voices of all the women vibrating in your bones, and you will ask yourself if you should choose to be a coward or revolutionary. Purchase your copy today of the Open Contract Challenge 2023 winner Adele Evershed and her collection of stories, Suffer Rage, at www.mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. G'day from SA. This is Tim here with episode 263 of the World of Myth Greetings, everyone. It's wonderful to uh, come to you with episode 263 on this very, very warm day in SA. Very warm, summery day in uh, in, uh, in Australia. Uh, and I'm sure when we hear from our special guest, uh, she will confirm that it's just as warm over where she is. But before we get into that, before I finally introduce the um, wonderful Lynn, uh, I, uh, I just wanted to quickly go over some housekeeping that, uh, that I've received from our El Presidente, Mr. David K. Montoya. So, right off the bat, uh, if you're not aware of the GoFundMe page that is up and running currently for, uh, the World of Myth and for the Dark Myth Company, uh, please touch base with, uh, with Dave or with Steph 
Uh, they have all the details. It's great to see those of us who have donated already. Uh, a wondrous um, donor uh, who has covered the majority of the um, the uh, the costs involved in keeping an independent publishing company running and successful. Uh, so uh, a massive thank you to that mystery donor. Uh, but also thank you so much to um, to those of us who uh, who've been able to give little bits uh, in uh, in order to uh, to help get closer and closer to that required target. So definitely, if you uh, if you don't know or if you do have uh, a bit of loose change um, that you uh, you find uh, is sitting in the account, please remember uh, this uh, this wonderful wonderful opportunity. To, uh, to help support such a great company that, um, that does give a platform to so many writers and artists from around the world. Uh, there's such an eclectic range of stories, poems, uh, and artworks on, um, in the magazine, on the sites. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that going back through the, uh, the earlier editions of the magazine as well. Um, just so, from the get-go, it was a, a great place to to submit your work uh, and a, such a supportive place for upcoming writers and also well-established uh, writers and, and artists, of course, as well. Um, Dave and I forgot to mention uh, Adele Evershed's winning um, Open Contact Challenge submission uh, for... 2023 uh, was Suffer Rage, and that's out now uh, on MythMart.com. So make sure you jump on, check that out, uh, as well as the great range of other titles that are there for uh, for adults, for kids, for poetry lovers. Um, such a great range, uh, and don't forget as well the um, book of the month that you can sign up for uh, book of the month. At, uh, at mythmart.com. Uh, and finally, just wanted to announce, uh, many, many of us, I'm sure, are receiving the, um, the emails from Chief Editor Steph, aka Luther. Oh! Um, that our pieces are, uh, are being accepted and, uh, and being added to the, um, the February magazine, which is out very, very, very soon. Uh, and the wonderfully talented, um, amazing, uh, amazing Lim that's with me now. Um, have you got anything coming up for the February mag, Lim? No, I always keep forgetting, but I have, you just reminded me, so I'll get something in before the next one. Yes, make sure. It'll be great, great to see another of your pieces, uh, in the, um, in the March magazine. But, even when you don't have a, a story or a poem in one of the magazines, do you always take the opportunity to have a look and flick through and, and see what's there? Yeah, of course I do. Of course. It's, it's and, and, read, and read all the other people's um, stories. And vote. You don't, don't forget oh, to yes, vote. Oh, yes, I vote. Yes. Vote. Yeah, very Most good. Most times I vote. <laughs> excellent, excellent. No, there's... It's hard, though, when, when a lot of the people are there are your friends and, and there's such quality. With these stories, so you know, you just pick and choose sometimes. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. But we love them all. As I think that's that's my tough job. As the um, I get to review each uh, each magazine as uh, as part of this podcast, as the um, the world of myth fits, and it's such a challenge. It's so it's so difficult to um to like I I, I love everything that that everybody does. I've I, like I have these these wonderful friends and uh, and amazing writers that uh, that encourage me and I love encouraging them. Um, but every piece is so unique and every piece has its own. You you get joy or entertainment or like I I'm one of those that gives everybody five stars. There's, I I will be I like, to, I like the fact there's no set call for. It is so. There's a variety of what the genres are and what topics are and the themes and all that. There's nothing set. That's no. what I like about it. Exactly. It is. It is truly an eclectic, a very wide variety, a wide range of of pieces. 
Uh, and the, um, I, I just love that you don't know coming into each magazine, you don't know what to expect. That's, that's the best. That's what makes me most excited about a, a World of Myth magazine. Yeah. I, and I like the fact that it gives you an opportunity to put in some stories that don't quite fit elsewhere. True. That is very true. Yeah. There, there are some. Sometimes you just, sometimes you just write a story just for the fun of it and then you think, where in the hell is this going to find a home? And yep. then you think, oh, wait a minute. But Something like the world of misfits is always a good place. Absolutely, absolutely. No, there are there are um uh, a few good sites to send to, um, but World of Myth is always one that that comes to my mind. And looking back over the magazines, Lynn, um, I I had this Im- implanted idea that. I've been submitting since 2019 uh, consistently. And to my surprise, I've discovered looking back through the, the different stories and looking for when I first submitted, it was actually June of 2020. And then I didn't submit again until December of 2020. So there were all of these opportunities that I was missing out on. Uh, and yeah, I, just, I think you just forget. You get busy with other things and... And life, we, you know, we've got life, and then suddenly you, you get a reminder and you go, oh, gee, I must have something back in the... Yes, yes. And that's what I do. And then, then I might submit for a couple of months and then I forget again. Yes. Well, well, I'm here to remind you, Lynn. Thank you. I'm here to remind I've you. And all I've of... I've got a couple of us too. Absolutely. Right? Reminding you and all of the listeners, make sure that you submit... Uh, of course, the um, the submission window is closed for February, with the uh, the magazine coming out just around the corner. But March, it's open now. You can submit for for March uh, or April or like well, whatever future month that you would like to submit. Just make sure that you let Steph know when you're um, you're hoping to uh, to have that uh, that piece published. Yeah. So. Speaking of stories and speaking of publishing, um, you're a really talented story writer. <laughs> I don't see myself that way. I just see myself having a bit of fun. And, and that, that's the, uh, the, the fun element comes through in your stories, I think. And that's, that's one thing that I love about your stories the most. And I, I thought, um, while I've got you on the line, I thought I would hit you up with a couple of questions. Okay. Are you, are you ready? Are you keen? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm interested. So, so let's start with question number one. That's, that's only the fairest place to begin. Um, Lynn, what's your favorite genre to write and why? Um, my first favorite genre is fantasy fiction. And I think it's because you can just make up whatever you like and have as much fun with it as yes. you can. And nobody can argue that it's not true. That's true. Because it's not true. It's no. Some... But I do write, I, but I, I write across most genres. Um, I don't write romantic or vampires or zombies or erotic. Leave that to others. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. So, Fantasy, uh, is, do you, do you like the, um, prefer the fantasy based in realism or do you like to invent your own worlds or? No, I, I tend to have, um, a realistic story and then there's a fa- fantasy, a fantasy element in it. That, that element. So I try to make, I try to make the world credible. First, and then I have some incredible stuff that's in it. Yes, just that, for the fun of it. That element, that element of magic. Just for the fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sort of magic, magical reality stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit. Um, some some of the uh, the Paul Jennings type stories, or um. Oh, I love Paul Jennings. I love Paul Jennings. Or, or Roald Dahl. I grew up too. <laughs> 
Absolutely. That, that tongue-in-cheek, that tongue-in-cheek sort of stuff and etching a little bit off-centre all the time. I like my stories to be, I don't like my stories to be what other people would write. I try to think of something that other people wouldn't write. I try to be a little bit off the centre of what the norm is as, all the as, time. As we'd say in Australia, off the beaten track. Oh, that's what my latest story's about, off the beaten track. My oh, really? Story. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> is it is this one that you're you're um, writing for a specific call, or is this one we may see? Yeah, it's it's one of, it's one I'm writing for the House of Loki. Oh, excellent! For the monster, the monster movie, but it's set in the Australian outback. Oh, lovely, wonderful! But there's, but there's an element, but there's an element of fantasy in there as well. What what a uh, what a great setting! Uh, and where you live, um, like you, you're um, based in. New South Wales? Yeah, not in the Northern Rivers, um, almost up to the Queensland border. Yes. And you've got a so farm? We just, we have a farm that's about, um, that's on the other side of the ranges, so yes. it's about an hour west of where we are. Um, and we go out there every second weekend and spend four days eradicating weeds and enjoying the farm. And, is, and, is, we, just, and we just adjust it out to cattle. Is this the the perhaps the inspiration or the setting for um for this monster story that you're writing at the moment? No, no, but it, it's the setting for some other stories at different times. Oh, but no, a... not the monster. The monster one set in the back of the. Oh, lovely! There's yeah. nothing. That... <laughs> but I'm trying to educate the readers a bit about the Australian outback and and uh, flies. Um. Feature very prominently in it. Yes, yes. And the, and the, and the swatting of flies. Yes, yeah. I I believe um Paul Paul Jennings had a uh, a great one about flies that he wrote as well. <laughs> yes. Oh well, well done. Good good luck with that. I uh, I know um you have uh, just as much luck with um the world of myth as you seem to have with um. Uh, with House of Loki as well. Yeah. It's and I I think luck's got nothing to do with it. Uh, a lot of it is just a, a skill as a storyteller and knowing your audience. Do you know I never ever wrote my stories down in the beginning. I've always been an oral storyteller. Yes. I never I never wrote any down until a few years ago. No, I get the sense of that in the way that you tell your stories on the page as well. It's There's a, a real chat or a real oral uh, element to them, which is, yeah, yeah. Wonder, wonderful to see. That's your, your uniqueness, I think. Yeah, that's, that's uh, either that or my dyslexia coming out one or, or the other. The, the, whatever works, Lynn. Whatever works, absolutely. And I, I think it's incredible to, um, to touch on that and the, the fact that sometimes with dyslexia, people can sort of switch off from a love of reading and a love of stories. But it sounds like you have em, embraced the ability to still be able to imagine stories and actually create, create them. To be able to to tell them and share them still. Um, that's probably why I, I I've always been a reader, and that's probably why I always told stories rather than write them write them down. Yes. And uh, I have a nemesis, and it's commas. I really I put them in the wrong place. I leave them out of the wrong place, you know, out of the places where they should be. And if I didn't have a really good editing program, the stories wouldn't make sense as far as commas are concerned. But I'm an ex I'm an excellent um, speller. Oh good. And I have a really good and I have a really good vocab and I guess that's because I read a lot. I, re, I you know, I read I've read since I first learned to read at five. So yes. yep. and I read books. and I read all the time. Like I could have six books going at once. Oh wow. And I'll be reading a bit of this, I'll put it down and then I'll read a bit yeah, yeah I'm a bit I'm a bit ace a bit ADHD that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. No. It's it. Uh. It keeps you busy and it keeps you entertained. That does. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, we might skip on to uh, question two then for you, Lynn. Uh, so yep. you're talking about having six six books going uh, at once. Do you have a favourite genre that you like to read? Yeah, I'm really into thrillers. Okay. Uh, psychologic, psychological thrillers. I really love them. I, can't, I, I really like that and I like murder mysteries. So they're probably my favourite, but I read science fiction. I've read science fiction mm. since I was about 10. Yes. When I first got into, got, first got into Frank Herbert and I first read June. Uh, as a model. In the high school years. and So I read a lot of science fiction. Yep. I read a lot of, of I don't, you know what's really strange? I don't read a lot of fantasy. Oh, truly. Yeah. You love writing the genre. But I don't really like reading other people's fantasy. Oh, right. That's really weird, is it? Yeah. Uh, so I have some fantasy books, but I don't, then, if you looked on my shelf, there wouldn't be a lot of them. No. Okay. Um, so have, have you got like Tolkien, um, Terry Brooks, perhaps? Um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, I, love, I love, I love the Lord of the Rings, that sort of stuff. Yes. That's, yeah. But I'm talking about, um, you know, like some of the fantasy worlds where, where people create a whole world. I'm not really into reading that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You, um, would, would you like read similar fantasy to what you write? Or do you find that there's not a lot of that around? Uh, no, there'd be some. Yeah, there'd be some around, but I most of my fantasy that I write is for children. Yes. So that's a whole different thing on its own, isn't it? Yes. And, it's, and, and it's, kids live, kids love that fantasy element of it. And they believe, they can believe it, whereas most adults will go, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that can't happen. <laughs> it, it's it's rare for us as adults to retain that element of immaturity or that that uh, that level of imagination. I think, I think it, I've kept it. I'm I'm seventy four. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm like um, my uh, my wife is more than happy to call me one of the kids. So <laughs> according to her, she's got four kids. So I think, yeah, I think it's important to to sort of retain that, um, not innocence, but that uh, that level of dreaming and and uh, and creativity. And I think it's good to encourage the next generation to to have that as well. Yeah, that's right. Definitely, definitely. Um, so no, that was that was a surprise. To me, I, I would have thought that um, a for for question one, you would have come straight out with, oh, my my favourite genre is is um, children's fan. Oh well, children's fantasy tends to be what I know you a lot for with the the stories. That's, that's probably what I like to write. Bit that's probably my favourite thing to write. But I really love writing psychological thrillers, not blood and gore, um, yes. but things that you know make the hairs on the, the back of your Stuff that makes it hard to sleep. That's right. Yeah. I never liked watching scary movies because you couldn't turn them off. But in books, you could always flick through the page if you had to, or you could shut the book if you got too scared. That's right. Or you, you could skip, skip, skip to the scene, skip, skip the scene, <laughs> and uh, and sort of uh, pick it up if it was getting too, too dark or too dramatic. That's right. Definitely, definitely. Um. So I I think we we've almost covered off on my third question. Then, do you have a specific audience in mind when you write? Look, I really write what I will, I would like to read. Yeah. So you, you write if for yourself. That's fantastic, and if they don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, apart from the fact that I'm aware that if I'm writing for children and young adults. I'm aware of the level that that should be in there, um, so that you you know it's appropriate for that age group. Of course, of course. Um, 
Do you have anybody that you test your stories on? Do you have anyone? Do you have anyone or a, a group of anyone's that you test your stories on? Um, no, not really. No, no grandchildren that that get to see you early. No, no, because um, Archie, my my, my who's eleven, yes, doesn't like scary stories and tells me, Grandma, your stories are too scary. All oh, right. And Evie's too young. And Evie's too young yet. She's only three. All right. But um, but I, you know, I give them a copy of any books that they're in, and when they get older, they can appreciate their grandma's stories. Oh, excellent. But but I, but no, that's that's not quite true. I, okay, I don't use my grandchildren for that, but I do visit up near the farm. There's a little two-teacher school, and I go there um, about once a month, and I share my stories with them. So a two a two-teacher school that that's local. Yeah. And, the, and, the, the, and the class I work with is probably about twenty children, and their age from nine to twelve. Okay, perfect. And, uh, and what I love about them is they're very honest. Yes, they'll tell you. That worked, or and they'll laugh, and you'll know it's good because the room goes deadly quiet when you're reading a story, and you go, "Yep, I've got this one." You have them engaged. You have them in the palm of your hand because they're, they're country kids. Yeah, and and they, you know, when I first went there, you can see them thinking, "Oh, what's this woman coming to read our stories about?" And uh, some of them would fiddle, fiddle at their table, fiddle on the floor, and then as you got more into the story. You can feel the room go still. Yes. And and then you know they're engaged. Then you know that one's not a good one. I'll yep. send that one off. Okay. Yeah. I haven't done it much recently because COVID got in the way and the, and COVID was rampant in the school and yeah. I tend to keep away from it because of that Ross's immune system's not real good, so Of course. But I but I will start going back again this year now that school's back in in full swing and um share my stories with them. And, give, and I give them a copy of any book that, that I've got stories in on their shelf for the kids that want to read them later. They would have a wonderful school library, I'm sure. Well, we're getting there. We're getting a good collection. Excellent, excellent. No, that's great. Um, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have thought that to, to, to go in and actually try your stories out in a school environment. You're incredibly brave, Lynn, but it sounds like it's quite the success. Yeah, well, as I said, they're very honest. There's been a few times when they've gone on. Mm, that wasn't as good as the last one, I'll say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Or, or they might say, um, we want this, this, we want more. What happened? That, that, we didn't like that ending. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Like that. Yeah. But that's always good because then you go back and work on that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can always tweak it be- before you send it. That's right. Definitely. No, I I find personally um, I'm lucky enough that I've got a 13-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an almost 18-year-old. Uh, and so some of the more mature stuff that I write, um, I will test with the 18-year-old. Uh, and some of the other stuff, like for the younger audiences or for like that mid-young adult type range, um, I will, uh, my, my 13-year-old's very mature. So uh, it's good fun getting that feedback uh, and even asking them, where do you think the story should go or, or could go when I'm sort of halfway through and I'm uh, I'm wondering about ideas or I'm thinking about an idea and then I'll test it on them. Uh, I'll sort of say, oh, where do you think? And if they sort of come up with that same sort of, oh, maybe you should do this or, or, or go this way or the characters should do this. Then I know that I'm I'm onto something. But sometimes I get um, the like a, a brand new view, uh, and the 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 idea sort of changes, and and the story flows even better. So uh, yeah, the the um, the next generation are uh, are a wonderful sounding board. Yeah, it's good to get that feed. It's good to get that feedback, and and as I said, kids are honest. Oh yes, they're not they're not they're not thinking I'm going to hurt her feelings by saying this. I just blurted it out. <laughs> Brutally honest, most definitely. Um, so, Lynn, 
What do you believe makes a great children's story? Well, I think it's got to have really good characters that the kids can actually relate to. And then, and, and what I try to do is the first part of my story is I try to set the scene with that. So the kids get to know the character. They know what's going to happen with the character. And I, and that comes a fair way before the complication comes into the story. Yes. And I think that, that establishing likability of the characters is really important. Yes. Um, I also, I also think that most children's stories should have some light-hearted part in it. Um, even the, even when I write horror for children, and I do write horror for children, I think that there's got to be, it can't just be all scary stuff. There's got to be that little fun element in it, which lets the kid relax and think, oh yeah, okay, and then read a little bit more before something else comes up. Yes. That's a bit scary. Um, but the main, the main thing is that it's a good story, and it's a good story to, to read or to listen to. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's that um, oral and oral, if it's easy, if it's easy to, to read and sort of get that vision in the listener's mind, uh, especially with kids, like the, from, from the get-go, you want the, that interesting session, uh, interesting setting, whether it's something that they can relate to, personally or something that they can dream of uh, and those characters that they love to hate or the characters that they can relate to and want to see succeed. Yeah. You can put yeah, those elements right. all in and you do consistently, Lynn. So it's, yeah, it's it's a, a sign of a, a great children's story indeed. I used to use storytelling in my classroom all the time, like even just to change behaviour, yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, lecture the kids on their change of behaviour. I would tell a story with a, with characters in it, usually animal characters oh, yes. that were doing that were doing the wrong thing, and then ways that they could solve it. And that's that's how I used to work in my classroom. Okay. Um. So so I often do that. So that's what I do in my story writing as well. Yeah, that's... If I'm trying to get a message across, I'm trying to make it so that you're not just lecturing, but that the character's doing something, and then you go, oh, maybe that's what I should have done. So, Lynn, just, <laughs> just touching more on that, were you in a, like, in a urban community school, or were you in, like, a city school, or, and what sort of age groups did you teach? I, I, I taught, um, I was trained to teach infant school, which in New South Wales, is kinder year one and year two. Yep. And and for many years that's what I taught. And then I um, worked with slightly older kids up to year six. And over the 50 years that I taught, um, I had lots of roles. I was not only a classroom teacher, but I was assistant principal, a deputy principal, and a principal at school. Yeah, right. Um, um, and that was for children aged from... The last one where I was the principal, they, they were aged from preschool right through to year six. Yeah, okay. And and I taught in those 15 schools. I taught in schools that only had the smallest school had seven teachers and the largest one had something like 30 teachers. All right. So uh, like a probably you've, you've gone some like... Of them, some of them are in country schools and yeah. some of them are in... My husband was a policeman and I worked for the Department of Education and we were juggling two careers, so we moved around the state with one of us going first and the other one coming after. Okay. And that's what that's why so many different schools, yeah. Yes, yeah, now that makes sense. Um so we've we've talked about what makes a great children's story. What in your mind then makes a great thriller? I, I've got to have my heart actually race when I'm reading a thriller. I've got to actually have it thinking, oh God, if I'm in that situation, I would be absolutely terrified. I really have to have that element 
in that thriller that gets to that. I don't want to get to the stage where I don't want just violence for violence' sake. No. But the violence could be such that you're in such a situation that your heart's racing and you're really going to get out of it, and then there's got to be a situation to get out of it. Yes. Yeah. Um. Do you have some favourite authors? Um. No, not really. I mean, if you've looked on my bookshelf, I've got a really wide variety of books and, and authors, but um, as far as the thrillers are concerned, no, not a, not a favourite. Um, the latest one I've been reading is um, is um, J.K. Rowling's writes as, a, as Robert Galthbrake. Yes. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I rather like her offbeat ones that she's got, so that's what I've been, that's what I've been reading lately. Yeah, I think she was trying to get as far away from Harry Potter and that that children's fantasy as she possibly could, and I I think she yeah. succeeded in 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 those that series. Yeah, most of them I've liked. There's one that was um that I thought was a bit strange, and it took a lot of reading because it it was using um text messages. All yeah. the time, and you had to pull it, you had to follow the story back because I think my dyslexic brain had a little bit of trouble with that. But, yeah, yeah. But basically, basically, I, I do like that sort of story. I like Ian Rankin. Um, I like the Pyramid series and um, the Shetland Steep series. I like those murder mysteries. Yeah, okay. I try, I try to solve them, but of course. They never give you quite enough no. information to get it that's, that's, exactly right. You, that's you the knack. Up to the last minute, and then you go, "Oh yeah, that's what it was all about." That's that's the knack of writing a good thriller or a, or a good mystery it is, is, it is. having and enough. That, and that I haven't got that knack. I can't write a thriller. No, I can write. I can write stories with that psychological um, element in it, but I can't write that thriller mystery. That you've got to solve at the end. Yes. I just can't. I just can't do that. I I've started writing one, uh, which which I may send like in in dribs and drabs and uh, and chapter by chapter, uh, to the world of myth, um, and hopefully fingers crossed. Hopefully I will uh, stumble across the the knack for writing a good one. Uh, but this was something that I started for. Um, the November, no, National November, the, um, where you write a manuscript in yeah, a month. Yeah, I know, no, right, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, I got maybe four, three, three thousand, four thousand words in, uh, nowhere near the actual required amount for a, a manuscript, but it's one that I want to go back to and I, I want to have a, uh, a bit of a play with. I'm finding one of the great things about the world of myth as a place to send your stories uh, is that I've had the opportunity to write so many different genres that I think, yeah, it'd be a, a lovely challenge and a, a nice story, a nice um, idea to come back to and actually see over the years, like this was probably five or three years ago I started the story, to see if how I've changed as a writer, if... Um, if I'm able to to sort of mould that into a a good thriller, it's hard sometimes to find um, somewhere to put specific genres. Yes. Like science fiction, like I love writing science fiction, and I but I don't like writing science fiction that has to be technically correct. So I no. guess mine border. I guess they border on fantasy, but I do try to put as much of scientific knowledge into it. As I can, yes. And I have that little fantasy, that little fantasy. So true, true people of, of science fiction go, oh yeah, right. But but then if you think of June, I mean that's got a fantasy element in it, hasn't oh, it? Absolutely, absolutely. It just uh, happens to be a, a fantasy set on another planet in another galaxy. Yeah, it's it's like the first story that was ever that ever published way back in. Um, 2017 was a, was like that. Yes. Um, my, my son had his own publishing company in those days and he was getting calls for, he asked for submissions and he said, oh, nobody's written one where the planet 
is actually inhabited by anything other than Martians and things, and there's no animals. And he, I said, oh, I'm going to write one. So yeah. I wrote one with Gillette lizards. Oh, excellent. And the, the lizards owned the planet. Yeah. And the humans came and thought, oh, you know, dumb lizards, we could just take over. And they got outwitted by the, by the, uh, the giant lizards. Oh, well done. It was called, it was called Magenta Sunrise. Okay. And the, the, they, they invited the humans up to the, to watch the sunrise. And of course the sunrise was so intense that only the lizards could actually withstand it and the humans all got killed. Oh, wow. Is that? So they under, they underestimated the, the brain of the giant lizards. Uh, as humans so often do. <laughs> <laughs> and think they're superior to everything else. Absolutely, absolutely. No, we, uh, we have a, uh, a funny way of doing that time and time and time again. Um, I've got a few more questions, Lynn, if you're happy for me to keep going. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah? So, uh, we've, we've probably covered off a little bit on this one as well. I've just got here, so going back to children's stories, can a children's story be a horror story? Uh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. How? I don't think, I, I don't think it should be blood and gore. No. And I don't, and I don't think it should have violence in it. But I do think it should be, um, situations where the child Actually, gets a bit scared or a bit creeped out by it. Yeah. The only okay. thing is, you can't you can't maintain that through the whole story. There's got to be times where there's a little bit of lightheartedness, which lets it go there. I was reading a story. I was beta reading a story for one of my friends the other day, and um, he's written an excellent story about um, worrying about kids worrying, and it's quite scary because things that she was worrying about were really scary. Yes. But the most important thing is that at the end, it all gets resolved. So the kid can also go at the end. Oh, oh. okay. So maybe I was worrying for no reason. Maybe that's, yeah. Yeah. Everything's okay. Okay. No, that's a, uh, yeah, very, very good way of, of looking at it. The, I've, uh, just written, I've just written a, a rhyme which took me 12 months to write because I couldn't get the, Correct until just recently, and it's called Marigold Meets the Meanest Monster, and it really doesn't end up very happy at all because Marigold is the meanest monster ah, in the that's, story. That's but every, but every, every verse as you go through is her meeting monsters and not being frightened of them and she scaring the monsters. All right. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kids think of that one. Yes, yeah, no, very, very clever. That, uh, that sounds like a great idea, Lynn. Um, so, just a couple more questions to go. Can I ask, for how many years have you been writing? I started in tw 2017 and I, and I submitted a story and it got accepted and I thought, oh wow, I can do this. Yes. And then, I, and then, I, and then, as often happens with beginning writers, I got a lot of rejections, and I went, oh, no, yes. I can't do this. It's really hard. Reality so, set in. So I, I had a few successes over the next two in 2019. I had a story accepted, which was my first paid one. Okay. And that really, just, that really made, and I got $50 Australian, which was really a lot of money. Yeah, wow. And, and, then I, and that made me think, no, I can do this, and then I've never stopped the money ever since. Yeah, no, that's uh, the uh, the incentive of money, but and not only the incentive of money, but also the quality of the other stories that are in that anthology made me think, wow, they thought mine was as good as the other stories yes. in the book. Yeah, that's exciting, definitely yeah. to be uh, compared to, or um, not compared to, but to be. Joining who you see, who you enjoy reading, and who you you see as quite talented writers, to be able that's to right. to say I'm in there with you. That's that's exactly right. That's uh, that's something I found with. Um, I don't I don't know if you were familiar with uh, the works by Stephen Lester Carr. Yeah. 
Steve and I had a checkered career. Oh yes. <laughs> I, um, nothing to do with his with story writing, just with his personality and my personality. That's yes. No, I I was actually lucky. And I loved his books, and his and his story is in that is in that book. Yes. It's in it's in Dragon Dragon Bone Soup. Yeah. 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 Um, I I found that he was uh, quite supportive of me in my early days of when I was submitting stories, uh, and the the fact that I didn't know what I was doing and and where I was going, uh, it was sort of by by fluke really that I I sort of stumbled across him, uh, and he actually was wonderful enough in my instance to say, oh, have you tried here or um, have you tried this to sort of Im- improve your writing or, or that sort of thing? And so I, I found I was grateful to him for his uh, advice and the, the opportunities that he sort of gave to me. But I was finding that being included in anthologies that he had works in or, and you had works in and people like Dawn, uh, Jim Bates as well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is a, a real thrill to, uh, to be able to, uh, to see those names and, and know that I've got pieces that the editor thought would, would stand in that same company. Yeah. Very, very thrilling. Um, so just probably my final question that I've got on the, uh, the list of, uh, of questions that I've come up with. Um, what do you love most about writing, Lynn? Uh, and not only writing, but also about being published. Uh, being published is just the icing on the cake. And, I, and I've got past the stage where that's really important anymore. The writing has become more important to me. Yes. Um, I think the main thing is that I have so many ideas in my head, and it's lovely to get them out of my head and onto the computer. Yes, yeah, on, onto the onto the page. <laughs> and onto the page. So I think that's what I really that's what I really love about writing. And um, when I'm working on the farm, if I'm pulling weeds or if I, no matter what I'm doing, I'm thinking about a story that I'm currently my work in progress. And I and and I love the fact that um, it keeps my remaining active. Yes, um, yeah, that's very important, most definitely. Um, especially, yeah, especially as you get older, um, it's really important to keep your brain your brain active. Yes, yeah, and getting out outdoors in that uh, that wonderful country air, I think, probably inspires or uh, it sort of gets the creative juices flowing as well. I think it's just one way to cope with doing those mundane activities, actually. That's true, too. Yeah. Pulling, pulling um, weeds like, is not everyone's cup of tea. I swim laps. I swim laps. And yesterday when I was swimming laps, I was thinking the current work in progress, it just lacks something. There's, it needs something else. And after about 10 laps, I went, oh, yeah, and I wanted to get out and write it. But I didn't. I kept on swimming. You, you kept I, going? I, 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 I try to swim a kilometre when, when I swim, so okay. I kept on swimming. But when I got out, I quickly jotted down a few ideas that I picked up when I was when I was swimming. So that's yeah, so that's twenty twenty laps of the pool. Is it like a fifty metre pool? No, that's, that's no, it's twenty five metre pool. Oh, okay. In our backyard, so it's forty laps. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you you consistently forty laps each time. In summertime, we swim most days. Yeah. Um, the pool's not heated, so we just we don't tend to swim from about May through till September. Yeah, that makes sense. We just tend to, tend to ma- maintain it, but the rest of the year we we uh, we swim most days when when we're here. Excellent. When we're not, not at the farm. Oh, wonderful! And we also we also have a unit up on the Gold Coast, so it's got a pool, so it's, we swim up there as well. So that's that's during um, the rest a, of the it's year. It's a good way to get. It's a good way to keep fit. When you get older, because it's not so much wear and tear on your on your body parts. Definitely, definitely. Um, mm. I I I know that the um, the listeners won't be able to see, but uh, but I'm looking behind you, and I can see this amazing library shelf that you've got. Is this? Yeah, I'm in the study at the moment, and as you can see, there's there's shelves on three sides of the room, 
and that's only that's only part of our books. I mean, I was I was thinking about that the other day. The only rooms in our house that don't have books are the bathrooms. Yeah, right. And the laundry. That's the laundry. You don't want to get them wet. <laughs> Every other room's got somewhere where the books are parked, even if it's just to to find somewhere to put the books. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's, a, and it's my a... boys, my boys are readers too, so we, you know, we have their books as well. So I was thinking, reference. I've got a lot of reference books, but we don't really need them anymore. Not with Google anymore. You don't really need the rest of the. You don't need the recipe books and stuff, do you? No, that's correct. Although it's it's good to know your favourite recipe or the recipe that you're looking for is there because. Quite often, when you will Google something, it'll take you ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, or That's a day, right. or a day or two, even to find the specific thing that you're looking for. Whereas if you know it's in Mum's you know, old, I, Mum's I old go, cookbook go today, or I got a cookbook out today to make my banana bread, and the page automatically opened. Yes, yeah, <laughs> That's a good book. The book had been opened that many times. It automatically opened at the page I wanted. Absolutely. But, uh, and, they're good to, and they're good to look at too. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to get rid of them. No. So Sam and I have been trying to cull a few of our books because we just reckon you just need, got too many books. You need room for more. I, other people say, oh, yeah, they read a book and then they give it away. I, I can't give away my favourite books. So. No, absolutely not. Well, Lynn, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today for uh, the world of Mythbits. Um, looking forward to seeing your submission for um, for March in uh, in the magazine when that uh, when that comes out. Um, I'll, de- I'll definitely send something into Steph. In the um, months ahead, definitely. I'll, I'll work out. I'll work out what I've got. I've, but the trouble is, I don't actually have a lot of spare stories. Um, I tend to have most of my stories now published or I uh, just, because, you know, it takes a long time. I take a long time to write a story. Yes. Some yep. people, some people up, but if, if I get a thousand words in a day, that's, that's a lot of story for me. Yeah. Yep. And for, for a lot of stories, that's not the whole story. No, no. Most of my stories would average 6,000 words, my yep. short story. Yeah. Yep. And, and my novel, I'm writing a novella today, at the moment because Sam has um, challenged me to try and extend myself a little bit. So well, I've got 21,000 words on that. Well done. And I reckon there's, there's about another four or 5,000 words to go to. And that's a fantasy, a dragon story, of yeah. course. Yes, excellent. Oh, of course. I love, I love my dragon stories. No, wonderful. Well, I I won't keep you. I'm I'm sure that banana bread is on the uh, on the list of things to do today, uh, and also finishing <laughs> off. More vacuuming to do. <laughs> oh, more vacuuming. Well, uh, I I will leave you to it, Lynn. I uh, really appreciate okay. the time. Thank you. It's been great. You do. Bye. Bye.